Today is Friday, December 22nd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 551 features Barstool Sports Dan Greenberg. And I'm Evan Valenti, and today's show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. New customers receive $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another Celtics Beat 2 in 1 week. Imagine that. We may start to make that a regular thing, but it's nice to have you back here with us, and uh, it's nice to be with you on the heels of a win versus what was just a, a cr- like a soul-crushing loss to the Warriors uh, against Golden State uh, out there in the Bay Area. Not, I'm not saying it was like, oh, you're like, your season's over. This... You, if you can't beat Steph when he's red hot, you can't win a time. That's not what we're doing here or anything like that. It was just, you know, to be up as much as they were, what, 17 points, to have Steph Curry with five fouls when he was still stuck on 13, and to see him go nuclear, finish with 30-plus, not find a way to get him out of that game, or at least avoid the collapse late and lose an overtime. Part of it is I'm I'm pissed about how my bets tracked that night. But look. <laughs> Things just got a little wonky. Hell of a response the following night against Sacramento. Chris Stapps Porzingis back in the lineup. Jason Tatum was out. Al Horford expectedly out, it being a back-to-back in the Cs. Still, despite actually being underdogs for the very first time all season, went in and thumped. Absolutely thumped the team. The the team, they said, take your beam and shove it up your arse. We're going to beat you by 25 points. And it was a a majestic thing to watch. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, Dan Greenberg is here with us from Barstool Sports, good friend of this program. And we're not going to like break down these games in vivid detail. Other places have done that. That's not what this show is. Uh, Bigger picture stuff, obviously, but certainly highlight some of the key moments and things that have happened in the last couple of games since we last had a show. And uh, I will tell you, depending on when you're listening to this, you have one more game, of course, before the big Christmas game that is uh, finishing off the, uh, well, these will both finish off the West Coast trip, both with Los Angeles. First, the Clippers, who are a totally different looking basketball team these days. And of course, the Lakers, who uh, don't seem to be trying as hard when it's not the in-season tournament. That will be your Christmas Day showdown at 5 o'clock Eastern, and then it's back home off the West Coast swing for a couple more games. So, guys, welcome. It's good to have you. As we always like to tell you, rate, review, please subscribe to the podcast, Celtics Beat, wherever you find it. Uh, Greeny, I'll I'll start with you here. Now, admittedly, and I've talked about this ad nauseum, so I'm not going to do so now. I will just simply say the win over the Kings, while exciting, while entertaining, I just need to deal. I need to cope. I need to get with the times. It's not my brand of basketball to just watch a three-point competition for two and a half hours. That's what it was, but I'm at least happy the Celtics were on the right side of it. Uh, How much did it impress you the day after losing the way they did against the Warriors to go out absent their best player in Jason Tatum and really, after that first quarter, just take it to the Kings and not relent? Yeah, I think I think we all have the same PTSD, trauma, whatever you want to call it, whenever this team faces Golden State. I mean, Steph Curry is is just ruining our lives. But when this happened last year, at the same time with the Celtics with the same record, it was the start of their spiral, right? Like that's I think what most of us wanted to see. 
okay, you were in Golden State. You had another opportunity to stomp on their throat. You didn't. Steph Curry buried you. Now you're at, you know, the risk of really letting this West Coast trip spiral out of control. You don't have your best player. You don't have your sixth man. The Kings were 10-3 and at home, had won three in a row. So it's like, okay, now show us that you have the mental focus to, you know, not let the Golden State game bleed into how you're going to play moving forward. So I love that they played with the exact same approach that we saw in Golden State. You know, they obviously mixed in some some Porzingis mismatches and, you know, attacking switches in the post with him, which is great. But I think it says something to where you're going in another tough building to play on the second night of a back-to-back, and we didn't see the whole woe is me, we're mentally dominated by Golden State, maybe we're second-guessing how we should play or who we are as a team. You know, I know you don't like the threes, but I will stress again They were all quality looks of good ball movement that this team should be taking. And it just goes to show you, you know, they're not always going to miss 41 threes in the game. So it's like you have to understand that for the Celtics to be successful, they have to play with confidence. And for them, that means taking a look when it's there and also finding a way to hunker down defensively. So seeing them actually play defense after that first quarter was encouraging, but You know, we'll see if they give it back on Saturday and backtrack and then lose to the Lakers and finish this trip one and three. You know, I'm not feeling great, but, you know, it's always good to see them bounce back. And to your point, 22 out of 42 from three in that game against the Kings and uh, probably zero people would have predicted uh, 22 made three pointers in a blowout win in which Jalen Brown hit zero of them. It was, you know, everybody else, you know, Peyton Pritchard off the bench, 20 points. He had six threes on 11 attempts, six of nine for Derek white, who is suddenly everybody's favorite player on the planet, let alone uh, on the Boston Celtics. And he has been amazing, obviously uh, with a lot of hometown bias. Drew holiday hit four. Chris Daps Porzingis three, a couple for Sam Hauser, who was in the starting lineup. It was nice to see, but, bigger than that we were texting about this have you know i i mentioned no three pointers made for Jalen brown big deal 28 points six assists five rebounds 29 minutes efficient shooting night over 50 percent not a single turnover there are certain games we've talked about this in the past where brown has to rise to the occasion and i'm, I'm not being critical in saying that he's done so plenty of times but there are certain spots where he needs to be the guy or if not you know 1a 1b especially when jason tatum is not around with tatum unavailable brown needed to go out and have a game i'm not talking best game of his career but he needed to have a game and he did just that i think the zero turnovers is as important a stat as anything yeah certainly uh impact of the game both ends in the 29 minutes that he played right that game was over by the time they were going to bring it back in no need to bring Jalen back in 20 minutes, 28 points, six assists, five rebounds, no turnovers, just tremendous stuff. The Jalen we've seen the last like six games, we got to bottle that up and keep that. I think, and I think a lot of other people have in, you know, put clips together and numbers together and all these things. The Jalen Brown experience is starting to feel a little different. The ball movement's a little better. He's attacking quicker. He's, he's, He's not trying to go like one on three as much anymore. He's certainly passing out of double teams a little bit more. And this is the corner that I think the Celtics need Jalen to take in order for them to take that next step in order to to get the offense at the end of games to not bog down and get everybody touches and to have it all move around. This is really encouraging 
I mean, the fact that he had 28 on no threes is spectacular. But again, it's the ball movement. It's the way he's moving off the ball, how he's confident in his teammates to either take the right shot or if they can't get one, get the ball back to him so we can do his, you know, max player, all-star, all-NBA stuff if they need to at the end of the shot clock. The Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Jalen Brown minutes are extremely positive. What's more positive are the Jalen Brown minutes with Derek White and no Jason Tam on the floor. They're, I think they're, what, plus what – was it plus 12 and a half or whatever it was? Forsberg had that earlier today. I just it succeeded me at the current moment. Um, but the, the numbers, Sands, Jason, Tatum with Jalen on the floor have been really, really good. And that, to me, is the biggest stat from the entire season so far. I said it all last year. I said it all off season, And here we are in the beginning of this season, roughly 32 33% of the way through the season. And we finally have an answer potentially to a question that has plagued the Celtics for quite some time is what happens to this offense when Jason Tatum hits the bench, usually craters. And lately, it hasn't. They've grown leads with Tatum on the bench. And Jalen Brown is becoming sort of a facilitator, playmaker kind of guy that we've all kind of been waiting for. And Jalen's ascension to this player changes the ceiling of this team. Let's see if it lasts. Again, I think a lot of us might be a little skeptical and see how long it's going to last, Kaufman. But you can't deny that it's that it's not happening anymore. All the Jalen Brown stands are... are I would say like defectors out there that don't care for Jalen Brown have been awfully quiet lately because he's been, I, I, I mean, you could call certain guys, Derek White, the best player on the team right now. Jalen's playing the best ball, I think best team basketball on both ends of the floor in his career right now. And it's, it's very evident to anybody that actually watches the games. Well, green. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was going to say, I would actually piggyback off that Evan and say it's better than you're saying. So you're saying the last six games, if you look back on it, the, the, like the changing of, of his season really started with the Milwaukee win about a month ago on the 22nd. Since then, over his 13 games, I mean, he's well over 50%. His turnovers are under two and a half a game. His passing is better, like you said. But what stands out to me is where is his approach, right? Like, Last or you know the Sacramento game, we're saying Tatum's out. Jalen has to be the guy. That didn't mean he needed to score forty, right? Not once during that game did you ever get the vibe that Jalen now you know needs to force the issue offensively. The shot distribution was even. His willingness as a passer is what you want. And to your non-Tatum minutes, this is the biggest story of the entire Celtics season. The Celtics' net rating with Tatum off the floor is the same as it is with him on the floor. You're going to win a title if you're not losing the Jason Tatum minutes. That's a fact. That's what happened with the Nuggets. They figured out how to survive the non-Jokic minutes. It's what's plagued the Sixers during the entire Embiid era. They can't seem to figure out how to survive the non-Embiid minutes. If you look at each of the players between Drew and Porzingis and Holiday and White, they are all elevating their play in the non-Tatum minutes. And I think you have to credit Missoula with how he's structured their lineups of he's finding that balance of combinations that are, you know, there are going to be times where they maybe don't score for three or four minutes. But on the whole, I think it's like a plus 8.8 net rating with Tatum on and a plus 8.2 net rating with Tatum off or something around those, those numbers. We've never seen that at any point of the Tatum and Brown era. It's always... They play like a 39-win team when he's off, 
and a 65 win team when he's on. If that's going to change and they're going to play like a 50 something win team when he's not on the floor, that is how you're going to win the NBA title. But I think a lot of what we're talking about, like Evan saying one thing and, and Greeny, you're saying another, but I think what interconnects these things more than anything else is Jalen Brown, the facilitator. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't need to go out to your point, score 40 points, just be efficient, get your shots. You know, obviously it's if, if he's, you know, averaging 24 to 26, like that, that would be amazing. That would be great. And you'll blow up for 30 occasionally. And occasionally he's going to have a, you know, a, a sub 20 game like this, these things, they all average out. But I think the, the notable thing about Brown is he's continued to grow and develop. And we've praised him for years and years about every off season. He adds a little something to his game, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, trying to obviously protect the ball less, turn the ball over, you know, less frequently, all of that, the assist, the facilitating, like going back, if you look at his career, Four years through his career, he had never averaged more than 2.1 assists and was often down in the one point something. And I had a number of people, keep in mind, still young, obviously, he, you know, entered the league as a teenager, but, you know, he was four years in. And I had people saying to me, like real basketball fans, Celtics fans, just looked at Jalen Brown and said, this is not a guy who is ever going to average three to four assists per game. It's just not his game. It's not how he's built. There's some you know, bad luck involved in there, but it's just, it's never going to be him. It's He's never going to do it. And then you start to see him turn a corner, obviously 2021, which, you know, I, I think for a number of reasons, it's an interesting turning point, but it starts to slowly climb 3.4, 3.5, 3.5 this year, currently through three, through 26 games, he's at 3.7. You could look at that and say, well, 3.7 to 3.5, that's that's not a big jump. I understand that. But again, recent sample size, and it's small. Last couple games, six assists, seven to six, six assists before that. Even before, four, five, four, four. That's your, your stretch basically for December. I would not be at all surprised, Greeny, because we have a lot of season left. If he is someone who is averaging four, even 4.1 assists per game, if he continues on this trajectory, obviously, and he's fully capable of being that guy, yeah, he's still going to turn the ball over a couple times a game, two, two and a half. We know that's not going to change. But if he can regularly get teammates involved in the way that, honestly, Jason Tatum does, if we can see this from Jalen Brown on a nightly basis, like Tatum, like Derek White, even now that he's obviously the the starting one, to you know for whatever people believe in in positional basketball i know it's not really a thing anymore i think it's just such a a gigantic thing in terms of this team's offensive performance and leads to obviously that success in the non-tata minutes yeah I, i would absolutely agree with you but i also think we have to be a little consistent right like i don't think we can only focus on his assist total right if if there are going to be games where he has zero assists and then we want to be like well you have to watch and how he's playing and moving the ball. Sure. Like there's yeah. more that goes into his playmaking evaluation than just his assist average. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think when you're watching him play, you can see his head is up more. He's making reads and finding guys that he wasn't making, you know, in the years past. So if a guy misses a shot, but it's a great read, I don't care. Like I don't deem that as Jalen's not growing because he didn't get the assist. Right. right. So there was one play, I think it was Hauser, where he had it in the paint. He was driving, and he kept his head up, and he looked off and made the read to Hauser in the corner uh, for one of his corner threes. And I just think 
that's the evolution that's going to unlock everything more so than if he, if he only averages three and a half assists, but he's making the right reads. That's more important to me than, you know, if he's just finding a simple dump off pass for an assist, but he's still driving into traffic or he's still, you know, playing with his head down with tunnel vision. Those are the glaring issues. But I think when you look at how he's seeing the floor, combining with his turnovers going down, that's that's the growth that you can say, okay, he's clearly addressed what plagued him in a playoff series. But I also think his role is changing, right? Now he doesn't just need to be the guy who is the receiver of those passes to then shoot and score. Now Brad gifted him a, a gift from the basketball gods in Porzingis to where he can be way more dimensional in how he approaches his offense, right? Like you don't need to be a super talented passer to say, hey, this guy's 7-3, let's maybe just give him the ball. But the willingness to run actions with him and the understanding that this is where Porzingis can get the ball in spots to where he's an absolute force makes everybody look better, right? Like Derek White being a confident catch-and-shoot three-point shooter now helps mm-hmm. everybody look better. So I just think it's a the, the growth in Jalen as a passer is attributed to his own work. But it's also credit to what Brad has built around him to enhance those skills and enhance those playmaking, you know, growth. And I think when, and I'll keep going back to it, when they traded for Porzingis, I think we all said we got Tatum this new toy that's going to unlock things. I think it was more for Jalen. I really do because Tatum fits with everybody. We have never seen Jalen operate this way with a a two-man game before like he does with Porzingis. And I think Brad saw that and said, if we're going to get over the hump and we're going to get, we're going to make Jalen become a passable playmaker. We need to find something that works for him and unlocks that. That's what Porzingis does for him. Just want to finish up here. Cause I, I, I attributed it Forsberg. I want to make sure I get this right. So uh, he had this in his article very recently, 14.4 is Brown's average assist points created per game over Boston's last seven games. In fact, Brown leads the team with 5.1 assists per game in that span, just to show how everybody's, you know, we're all on the same page with Jalen. He's just been out of control. Forsberg had the stat. Again, the other stat I'm looking for is uh, the number uh, the Celtics are without um, uh, Tatum in the lineup. I'm still looking for that, but those the number. Uh, was, like, check outrageous. my check my timeline. I, I quote tweeted uh, Trey from Celtics Twitter. He had uh, he had the screenshots of the stats. Okay, it's like my it's on my timeline somewhere. If you're looking All for right, it. I'll look for that. But that's that's the other big thing that's like kind of really happening right now is the fact that this team again can survive with with Tatum off the floor. It's impressive. Yep. Well, and not to be overlooked undervalued uh ignored certainly is you know i i think we do need to have a few moments to just celebrate Derek white because obviously not enough good things can be said about the way he, he is playing this year uh, i will fully admit i've said this before but i will fully admit uh while i was pro Derek white at the trade i loved it i saw his value when you know some people were out there critical of him and and the deal and and what does he bring like i've, I've always been something of a a Derek White stand, but only to a point, to the point where I still thought going into this year, he was going to be your sixth man. He was going to be coming off the bench. I did not foresee this, you know, all-star Derek White, you know, as as Joe Mazzula referred to him the other night, you know, he has been just a 
a revelation. He is a, a consistent double figure scorer in a, a group where he is, you know, you would think on paper is your fifth scoring option. It has not been the case, obviously. That's uh, I'm saying that when everybody is healthy, obviously, and you have Holiday and Porzingis along with the Jays. These last couple of games, not to again sample size it, but I think I heard a stat that the 58 points, 30 against the Warriors, 28 against the Kings, the most he has ever had in a two-game span. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case. Uh, but again, the way that that he is shooting, you know, he's well over 50%, 60% in those two games overall. The shot volume is incredible. I mean, you're talking about 58 points on 37 attempts, including 27 three-pointers. So the, the guy is, you know, regularly living outside and hoisting threes. He's taken, as a matter of fact, uh, more than eight per game in the month of December. But He's hitting about 48% of those. So he is locked the hell in right now. It has been incredible. Doesn't really get to the free throw line. It's not a surprise. He's not a guy that goes to the basket. He's, you know, he's taking jumpers. But, you know, what White is doing and facilitating, by the way, he's getting you five assists per game this month. What White is doing, it just, again, unlocks another piece of this offense, Greeny, that, that, you know, they had it at moments last year, but this is why so many people, you know, including Evan and I at the time and Greeny, I'm sure you, you know, were bitching and moaning late in games about some of those rotations where, you know, Smart and or Brogdon were out there and, you know, White might have had a great third quarter and all of a sudden he's nowhere to be found in the fourth. They have opened things up to where Derek White has to be out there and they want him out there and you're seeing the rewards. Yeah, I think it's... It's sort of like Jalen, right? I think first you have to attribute it to his individual improvement, right? Like the work he's done to fix himself as a shooter ever since, you know, the end of the finals run, right? Like he had that great game one, but he still was what I would consider an inconsistent shooter. He came back last year. It was like a revelation. What we're seeing this year is that on steroids. So it's like you have to attribute you to the hard work to improving a glaring weakness first. Second, I think, like you said, is opportunity, right? They've they've cleared the path for him. They've given him the keys. They've embraced him as this, you know, not just a, a six-man type guard, but an integral part to their success. I also then you then have to go to, you know, he's more comfortable, right? Like this is a guy who came over midseason. That takes time to acclimate. Then mm-hmm. last year, okay, well now – even after making the finals, he has to figure out his role now with Brogdon in the mix. Now he can fully feel confident in his role on the team and how they want him to play. How many times have we heard Jason Tatum be like, we all need to, like, we yell at Derek that he needs to be more aggressive. Now he shaved his head, he turned into Michael Jordan, and now he (laughs) has no problem being an aggressive player. And you can see what a difference that makes just because – you know, now you have to worry about him, not just as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but he's taking pull-up threes off screens. He's driving to the rim and getting to his float game. He's shooting 15, 16, 17 times a night, which are things that I don't think we would have dreamed of his first like, year and a half as a Celtic. So I think you're seeing a guy enter his NBA prime who's empowered, who's developing, and who has the confidence that – if he has to feel like he needs to call his own number, that's not going to be a problem because everybody knows this team is at his best when they have an aggressive Derek White. Yeah, I mean, I'm just taking 
victory laps here. I love Derek White. It's been awesome. Yeah. He's just, you were ahead of me, no doubt about he it. He was just he's just like he gives the game what it needs, and it, and it varies from night to night and from possession to possession. But the guy's just – I mean, he does everything well. I, and, again, he's probably not going to make the all-star team just because that's not how this works. But he's certainly playing on an all-star level. I mean, he plays both ends of the floor. He's a highly efficient scorer, uh, moves the ball around, cuts, does all this stuff. I mean, the guy's – He's a two-way player at he's, that, right? He's, like, a, he's a two-way player. He's as good as it gets, and he's like – Overqualified, but yet perfect for this team. Like overqualified to be on this team. Like he should be on a different team with more responsibility, to be frankly honest with you. However, on this team, the fact that he's so good at so many things just gets highlighted every single night because every night Boston seems to need a little something different, right? Tatum hasn't been in the best shooting, you know, rhythm the past couple of games. So we've needed a little bit more Derek White in terms of shooting the basketball. You know, I tracked it with, with Weiss that the shot distribution has changed a little bit. And the biggest change is that Derek White's just taking more shots. And guess yeah. what? It's good for business, baby. We love it here. We love this stuff. I am I am such a big – I was a proponent of him being the starting point guard when the year started because he was the only guy I thought was capable of making an entry pass on this team. Um, he just – He's he's excellent. I, I, I smile every time I see him play. You know, he's just perfect. And, and the fact – He's humble about the whole thing too, which makes him even more like, like right. I, it'd be hard pressed for any non Celtic fan. I obviously sees fans. We're all obsessed with the team. It's fine. The biggest compliment is when other fan bases are like, man, I wish we could have Derek white or like my favorite is I, I'll get in these uh, like rabbit holes with, with Spurs fans who are like, you know, should we have kept DeJounte Murray or Derek White? And every answer is Derek White. <laughs> Everybody's like, no, we should have kept Derek. Derek's awesome. And then I heard Simmons today with, with Justin Termini talking about how they you just can't believe what they got Derek White for. When you look back at the trade, people, again, people at our own company, Kaufman, did not like this trade. Mm-hmm. Did not. Very anti. You can't believe you're giving up future assets for Derek White. What are you talking the about? The way Josh Richardson's playing, what are you doing? <laughs> now, Romeo, we're giving up on Romeo Langford for, for Derek Now we're all here saying this is such a steal of a trade. Brad has just masterfully put this roster together piece by piece, little by little. And now you're at the point where the Celtics have, you know, outside of Philly's best five, who inflated their stats against really awful competition. Now, they did beat the the Wolves the other night, so I will give them credit for that. Uh, But the Celtics have just, if not the best five-man unit in the league, one of the best five-man units in the league, and that's because they got the guy pulling the strings, Brad Stevens, who sees the future. It's amazing. And I think we're seeing why Derek turned down that early extension. Yeah, it's a bummer, huh? (laughs) You know? You're going to have to max him out at this this rate. He's – He's playing his way into a max extension. Whatever that number is, I mean, you can't not give it to him. Kaufman, you've been talking about this for years. This is the this is going to be the guy that makes Wick put his money where his mouth is, right here. Yeah. Oh yeah. If if because yeah, it's your... very obvious. And Kaufman, this has been your you've been on this for like four years because you're like he keeps saying when the team's right they'll spend into the tax. Very clear at this point. Derek White needs to be on this team. You're going to have to pay the tax to retain his services. Let's see it, Wick. Let's see it. Well, he's, he's not the only one. Drew Drew's coming up to extension. So it's like this yeah, is, this, this is your put up or shut up moment. This is it. It's it's no brain. Oh, you gave Jason Tatum a max extension. Oh, you gave Jalen a super max. Yeah, no kidding. 
Like that's not a hard decision to make. These are the ones where you have a guy who isn't an all-star quote, but is so integral to your team and is playing so well, you now have to pay him like an all-star. If you don't, you don't have any way to replace it. So if that means that, you know, you got to jack up ticket prices, jack them up because every single fan will pay more to keep Derek White on this roster, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just to see a an annual contender, you know, which obviously this team is is built to be. Like, you could make cases over the last couple of years, you know, who was the guy that, that was – that Wick was, you know, we, we keep saying Wick because obviously he is the chairman, but Wick and company, the ownership group that was going to make them collectively potentially a little bit uncomfortable. Was Grant Williams going to be the guy? You had to give, you know, give Grant $40, 50000000 million. Well, you could have made the case, you know, for obviously his role on the team. He fit a, a, a certain need, but he wasn't irreplaceable. You know, you allow yourselves to you know, get nothing in return for Derek White. Derek White just leaves. Like, you've created a hole. You have created a gigantic problem. And I I just have to believe that, you know, this goes beyond that ownership group, again, saying they're willing to spend and being fans of the team in addition to owning the team. This is good business sense. This is being, you know, this is... Know, the the breeding ground for the guys making the billions of dollars that they have to get where they are in their careers. This is looking at it and saying, you know, if if we can win titles, you know, or at least be in the title conversation annually, you know, it's that much more we're making, like you said, on ticket sales, on rev, you know, merchandising, like everything. It's you know, bringing bringing. It sounds so ridiculous that we're talking about you know Derek White in this way, but that's where you're at because, like you said, Greeny. You don't have a question when it, unless you're like the Red Sox with Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, you don't have a question when, when you are a basketball team and you have a top level, you know, talent and, and two of the better players two you know, one, a top five, another, a top, whatever we want to call Brown 15, 20 player in the NBA. I realize the money doesn't equate and, and that drives people nuts, but you know, when you have these two upper echelon players, yeah, you got to pay them. Derek White. Yeah. You know, Drew Holiday, Chris Tapps, Porzingis. Obviously, Porzingis already got his deal. Like, this is this is nut-cutting time. This is when, obviously, you have to pay these guys to keep yourselves at that threshold. Yeah, and I just think it's the reality of life in the NBA, right? Like, I think we're all pretty certain Drew Holiday is turning down his player uh, option this, this summer so he can get his new deal. You have this year and next year with Derek White. If you don't extend Derek White this summer – NBA history tells you you have to then trade him because if you don't and he leaves you for nothing, you're already a second apron team. You don't have, you know, it's not like all that money comes off your books and you can spend 30 million on another player. If you don't extend him while he has one non, a fully guaranteed year left, you have to get ahead of it because the longer you wait, if you wait until the trade deadline, his value goes under. So I just think people, and I think Wick probably understands the fact that, like like you said, it's not just that in the NBA you have to pay your good players. His team is going to drastically change, and they will be forced to make a trade or do something that probably makes them worse if he doesn't pony up. And as long as they're past the second apron, who gives a shit how much it costs? Like It's not like you are trying to be 
under that line. You're already past it, right? You have Tatum Supermax coming down the road anyways after next summer. So it's like, if you want to contend, you have to pay. If you don't pay, you have to gut your roster because you do not have the tools to replace those players. And I do not think we want Brad operating in a position where he is trying to make a trade without leverage. It's just not the recipe for success. So this is it. You either extend him this summer or your hands. NBA history tells you it's kind of like what the Bulls are going through right now with like DeMar DeRozan. They Mm. didn't extend him. He's now an expiring deal. The longer they hold him, his value is going to tank. It's like if you are going to decide that you don't want to keep a player, you have to trade them a year early as opposed to the year they're an expiring deal. That's just how it works. On top of that, Greeny, and you know, people who are much smarter than me, not exclusive group, by the way, have written about this. And and you know, the, the capologists out there have examined like people. We we talk about this, you know, the royal we. We talk about the whole like the second apron. Oh my God, what's that going to mean? The penalties when you have the kind of money these guys have, owners of of basketball franchises, the penalties are truly not that severe. They're not that egregious to where, you know, you're going to be, at least if if you have a contending team. It's one thing if you don't, but if you have a contending team, like the Warriors for so long and, and, you know, spending the way they spent, or obviously the Celtics the way they are positioned right now among other teams – it shouldn't scare you off. It's not so much money where it's, I don't know. Can we like, we're tight around the collar. Can we do that? No, like, of course you do that. You don't even hesitate to do it because you want banners. Right. And I think the penalties for the second apron, I always view more. The things that matter are the team building restrictions. You can't you know, you can't combine salaries. You can't sign buyout guys. That's what matters. If it comes to just Wick writing a check, like, you're the majority owner of the Boston Celtics who have been the best team in the league and are in a title window. If you're not prepared to reach into your billions, sell the team to someone that will. Like, what are we talking? Like, we, like, take a look around you, what's happening with the other franchises in your city and what's happening where those rich as hell billionaires are getting rid of generational talent because they don't want to pay. It has closed their title window. You're going to willingly do that because you don't want to write, like, a $70 million tax bill that, you know, you're probably regaining in interest by the time you wake up the next morning. I just think, you know, Wick, to his credit, has stepped up when he's been in these spots before. Well, now we're talking about money that's higher than anything he's ever had to pay when he has previously stepped up and and footed the bill. You know, it's it's a lot easier to, you know, foot a max contract when that max contract's 100 mil. Well, now what are you going to do when that max contract is 225? It's just, it's a different scale. But if you win, you're going to be making so much money that I just, I mean, I don't know what his finances work, but common sense says if your team is good and you're the only team in the city that is contending and people are buying your products and the ratings are going up and, you know, you have one of the faces of the league, my gut says that probably brings in a decent amount of revenue to offset your tax penalty. It's not like you're paying second apron money for a 30 win team that nobody cares about. You know, and I, I hadn't even thought about this, Evan, until Greeny just mentioned it, but there is, maybe I'm more of a sucker for this than is, is true, but there, there's a narrative street component to that. There's, there's ego on the part of the ownership group of the Celtics, or at least there could be ego there where you look at it and say, as Greeny said, 
like the the Bruins fine I mean they're they're playing well but they're probably not going to win a cup you know the the and, and when I say that I mean like in in the next few years the the Patriots obviously yeah they could turn things around if they draft the next guy in 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 the upcoming draft at the quarterback position but right now it's in shambles the Red Sox I mean need <laughs> they need to be sold and and be in the hands of you know, an ownership group that actually is going to spend again and spend the right way. So the Celtics, they have a window here where it can be the freaking 80s again, man. I mean, they can be the center of the basketball universe. And not only that, they can be the only show in town. They can be the talk of Boston when it comes to sports. And I have to think Wick and company are aware of that. 100%. These guys aren't, these guys are not stupid. I mean, they're, you know, they're all doing very well for themselves for a very particular reason. And, and if you need any advice on what it's like to own the city for a while, just ask Robert Kraft. You know, life's really good. Life's great when you own the city, especially in a city that loves sports as much as Boston does. Uh, and you're right. I mean, the Red Sox are an absolute disaster, an absolute joke. I don't want to get into that because I'm going to get really mad about it. Uh, the Bruins are fun, right? They're, they're, they're playing fun and the Patriots, you know, look, uh, 20 years of unprecedented dominance, like it's going to eventually come back down and they're going to have to rebuild and we'll see how it goes. But Boston has an excellent opportunity to become the face of a city that loves sports. And that's, as you, you know, talk to, you know, people that work in programming and people that, you know, do radio shows throughout the country. Uh, there's a reason why the ratings in Boston trump whatever is in LA. The people that live in the city of Boston, the people that root for these teams are way more fanatic about it than the people that live on the other side of the state. And you, again, by owning a city that loves sports, you're going to be in the news cycle 365 days a year, and that's good for biz, right? You're you're constantly call it top of mind advertising or top of mind whatever. You're always in in the views and in the brains and the ears of of everybody that that watches this team, and that's going to be a positive thing. I, again, this is this is going to be real interesting this offseason. I know we're we're fast forwarding a little bit. We've been fast forwarding for the entire season, pending the guests. I mean, yes, last this yeah. earlier this week. Steve Bopet, much like some other guys who've had the show, like doesn't matter what this team does in the regular season. Doesn't matter. We got to wait for the postseason. So we're just sitting here waiting for the postseason. Well, now here we are waiting for the offseason to figure out what Wick's going to do and what the rest of the guys are going to do in terms of keeping this group together because this is a special, special group of guys. And, you know, it's going to be costly, sure. But I don't think Golden State uh, 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 has any reservations about paying all those guys as much as they did. They were the face of the league for a long time. Steph Curry was the face of basketball, probably still is, kind of, for a long time. I'm not saying Tatum's going to be the face of basketball. We'll see. It's already kind of that way. But he could be. Like, to what you're talking about, when LeBron does retire, when Steph does retire, you know, keep in mind how much younger the Jays are than these guys. Like, if it doesn't mean what it once did, you obviously. You see those new but, shoes, Kaufman? But, I know you're getting a pair of those new shoes, the flowers in the, the garden. Those the are Celtics. sick. The Celtics could be the lead on Sports Center every night, man. Like that's that's what they could be. That that is the world that they could be entering into. We'll talk about the rest of this West Coast trip here in a sec. But Ev, let's uh, you know, for people out there, you you probably missed the boat to to bet on the Celtics to win a championship in terms of sure. getting a favorable number. Obviously, although I'm still not sure that the best team in the NBA when when you got Nikola Jokic and and the Denver Nuggets. But that's that's a whole other thing, obviously, that we'll get to as as time goes along. And let's shout out our uh, fine folks over at Fanduel. Yeah, quick break tight. Today's show is brought to you by Fanduel. Score earliest NFL season and in the NBA season with Fanduel. America's number one sports book right now. New customers of ours get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning five dollar 
money line bet. It's 150 bucks if your team wins. It's real simple. And much like last week, here this is a real easy way to get this buck 50. I promise you, this is uh, maybe the easiest you'll have it the entire season. It's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. It could be a little bit easier depending where we are. But all we're new right now, Kaufman and Greeny, is we're going to scan and we're going to find whenever the Pistons play next. Whenever they play next, just bet the <laughs> team playing the Pistons. It's a real easy win. It's free money. It's sitting right there for everybody. They've lost 25 games in a row. They lost to a team last night of ta- this recording. So they were favored. They I got lost- on the Pistons last night. I can't believe you even did that. They lost I to a, a Utah Jazz team playing, what, three games in four nights, missing their two top scores. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Detroit deserves better. That's all I'm saying. But bet whatever whoever's playing the Pistons, bet on that team, and you will win. I guarantee you within the first three tries, it, this $150 bonus bet that FanDuel is offering us and you. It's 150 bucks If your team wins, you've been thinking about joining FanDuel at another better time than right now. The Pistons <laughs> just putting up zeros, putting up L's every single game. And make sure you download the app. It's super easy to use. You can use a wide range of betting options as well. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Kick off the NFL season. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues. Now double bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling like gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game sense ma.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. There was a uh, a bet to that point. I, I think it's real. I mean, I've seen the bet slip circulating on social media. I guess it could be Photoshop, but I think it's real. Uh on I believe, well, I'm I'm not sure which book was used, but the uh and this was made prior to that game in which the the pistons were again favored to beat the jazz uh it was the pistons to not win another game this season <laughs> somebody bet forty dollars to win forty thousand <laughs> if the, if the I pistons, like that's not enough if you if, win that bet pistons, i feel like they should give you like a million dollars if the pistons go winless the rest of the way plus you know however many zeros that is now we do have to say though you know they have these two back-to-back against brooklyn I think if they lose both of those, it's the Celtics game on the 28th that's for the all-time record. Is it right? I don't know. There's like 3% of me that's like, hold on a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're There's not like winning. 3% of me. That would, it's their first game coming off the uh, West Coast trip, I believe. I think they're going to have yeah. two or three days off. I don't know. I know like that just screams a game to me where like well, – here's- Here's the Jay thing, and right? Big seven threes or something crazy. Here's the thing: we've been doing this all season long. We had Bullpet on last uh, on Monday, and one of the things that we talked about was the way this season feels different because the Celtics seem to to pick themselves up when they fall. They catch themselves a little bit. Now that can be within the same game, right? They could they could blow a lead and take it right back. We've seen that already this year. Or in the instance where they lose to Golden State, they play the next night after going in overtime with all these dead legs. They get on a bus ride. Nobody says a word the entire bus ride. They refocus up yep. and they blow the doors off the Sacramento Kings. So this team that, you know, in the past, Greeny, I'm with you. This is a, like, this is a trap game. We're trap all game. looking at yeah. it. Like, this is, this is 
old Celtics teams, I'm with you. I think I'd be a little more nervous about this. With this team this year, I'm not even sweating this. These guys are professionals. They're going to – as long as they're healthy, like in like I'm almost to the point, and maybe Green, you tweeted this out. It's like as long as Chris Stapps Porzingis is on this team, like they're just going to beat most of the teams they play. Like as long as he plays because he presents such an interesting nightmare matchup for so many teams. Like the, the fact that they just went, you know, uh, get the switch they wanted with that – like. Kevin Herter probably still has nightmares about Chris Epps Porzingis <laughs> after what Porzingis did to him the other night yeah. in Sacramento. As long as they have their full complement of players, or at least the majority of them, including Porzingis and White, they're going to win that game. I'm not even sweating. Really. I'm just putting it into the basketball universe, to the basketball gods. I respect the Detroit Pistons. I am not overlooking that game. I am not chalking it up to a, an automatic yeah, win. I just are. think, you know – it's going to be the worst day of my life if they are the team that ends a 28-game losing streak. I mean, that's no just going to be a tough day for me, and I just don't want it. All right, in the few minutes we've got left here, there are a couple more games on the West Coast. And uh, while I, I think most people, to some degree, are or at least mentally maybe taking for granted a win over the Lakers on Christmas Day, even though we know LeBron and company are going to be absolutely amped. I mean, it may as well be the in-season championship game all over again christmas day clash with the celtics you know bus is going to be rolling over in his grave we're going to have john c Riley in attendance out there you know in 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 costume decked out cheering on the lakers maybe but uh this first one this next one against the clippers on saturday night they're they're not your dad's clippers anymore folks i mean this team has won nine out of ten they're they're blowing doors in most of those they've got james harden turning back the clock Russell Westbrook has a role off the bench. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are playing most nights. These guys are connected. They're playing well. Ty Lue has has tapped in. He's got it figured out with this collection of former and still some current All-Stars. What are your expectations for this game? Brewing. I think, you know, whenever Tatum, I feel like he always goes crazy against the Clippers if he plays. I mean, I don't know if, if Porzingis is playing. I'm just going to assume everybody's yeah. back. Um, I think it's going to be another iron sharpens iron type test. You know, there are no cupcake games on this four game road trip. I think if you want to, if you want to talk about the Celtics being the best team in the NBA, this dominant team, they have all this talent. Well, that means that when you go up against talent, you still have to beat it. It's not an excuse to, Oh, this is, you know, the same way it's not an excuse. Like, Oh, they lost to, Golden State, they're still pretty good. Well, no, they had enough talent to win. I think, you know, you're going to have to battle the, the the nightlife of L.A. being undefeated. I'm sure they've been there for, uh, you know, a little while now. And, you know, I, I like these in-season tests of, you know, where are you amongst some of the hottest teams or most, you know, talented teams in the league. They're deep just like you are. They're well-coached just like you are. And they feel revitalized now that they've made their lineup change to have Harden being, you know, their starting guard. When he's engaged, we know when when Harden is on a team and that team is in the honeymoon phase, that team is really good. So, mm-hmm. you know, I do not think this is going to be a game where the Celtics can just show up and, and think that they're going to roll over. I think, you know, given how well the Clippers are playing, it's going to take you being on your, you know, P's and Q's to – to pull out a win. And it would not shock me if this is another clutch time opportunity against a good defense that has good size that you're going to have to execute down the stretch. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is going to be, an, again, 
another tough one. This has been the, like the most grueling schedule that I can remember. Um, just playing the toughest schedule right out of the gate like this is not fun for anybody. Um, mm. and, and at that same, you know, I'd sound like a hypocrite if I, if I didn't at least admit to the fact that I like this. Like, uh, there was a take earlier in the season when I wanted Boston to do as well as they could in the in-season tournament because you're going to play better teams and like playing better teams, you'll get a better idea where you're at instead of playing cupcakes the entire time. So, uh, I, I, I do, I am excited for this, both of these games because again, like Kaufman said, I think that the Lakers are coming out guns a blazing here for sure. I mean, that's just, the yeah, way. I don't think you can like, I think they're one in five since the tournament, yeah. but like but they're, this is gonna be... Celtics Lakers. Like, yeah, they're, it's, LeBron's it's, getting up for this game, folks. There's no question yeah. about that, but it's this, this, you know, it's a measuring stick game. I think for Tatum and Brown specifically, because they're looking at two guys that are the older version of themselves, right. With George and with, with Kawhi. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was the last time they played Kawhi or maybe two before that where Tatum like went at Kawhi. I think it was maybe two years ago. First game was in LA and they went at it and the Clippers won, I think, a tough one in overtime. Overtime, yeah. And then the Celtics came back when they played in Boston and just absolutely, I think, I think they beat them pretty handily throughout the entire game. And I remember Tatum kind of being like, uh, like he's just going at Kawhi the entire game trying to show the world, like, hey, you're the old, you're old news. I'm the new guy. Like, this is the way it's going to be. I am excited for that. I love when they take matchups personally. And then you, and you know, LeBron's taking this personally. Like, you just know it. And, you know, he probably still has, uh, Eastern Conference finals games, you know, against the KG Celtics still buried in his head somewhere where he's, he's just fired up about, you know, he sees green and all of a sudden he gets nuts. So it should be fun. I, I, and, you know, coming out of this trip to, you know, they can get out of here two and two, one, two, three and three and one. That's a terrific trip, a terrific trip. Yeah. And this team has been yeah. battle tested so far. So you got to feel confident heading into this thing. But as long as they keep moving the basketball the way they've been moving it, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, assuming Tatum plays, I think it's a good test for him of like, hey, the rest of your team did you a solid, salvaged the trip up to this point by winning in Sacramento. Now's the time for you to say, all right, I'm back. Don't worry about it. I'm going to make sure we finish this trip strong. It's kind of like a – it's like a a statement final two games of – all right, you, you know, you had your struggles against Golden State. You responded without the best player against Sacramento. If he's going to be back, these are the two games where Tatum says, hey, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, you guys are old news. This is now the uh, how the NBA is going to work. I'm a top five, top ten guy. I would hope that he could elevate his game to make sure. Like, they can't afford – a Tatum egg that can't afford a Jalen egg. Like these are the type of games where your best players need to step up, close out the trip, get home with the momentum. And then you're going to, you know, start to enter the easier part of your, of your schedule. I'm curious before we go, knowing that you are as passionate, as lively a Celtics fan as, as one would find, certainly check out Greeny on, on Twitter and, and you will see it in the round games, battling with people out there on social media do you allow yourself, like, are you wired to allow yourself to believe this could be the year or do you need to, like, do they need to reach the NBA finals before you even let your brain go there? No, I mean, I, the product I see on the court right now, I mean, I felt the Celtics have been good enough to win the title probably since the bubble. I just no, think no, no. There's, there's a difference between are they good enough versus you know, you in your brain saying, holy crap, they might actually hoist the banner this year. 
Watch what I mean. That's that's my that's how I viewed them. You know, especially these last two years. I just think you know we've seen a large enough sample to know that when they play to their potential, they're the best team in the NBA. They haven't won the title because their two best players have faltered in the two biggest moments in consecutive seasons. That's just the reality. The hope is, as you enter your NBA prime, if they continue to play the system that has gotten them to where they are, they should win the NBA. I don't even, I think even making the NBA finals and losing is a failure based on my own expectations. There is, if they are healthy, there is not a team in the NBA that I would say it's okay that they did not win an NBA championship over if they play to their potential. I just think, you know, there's a lot of variables in the playoffs. There's matchups, there's injuries. Even knowing all that, you cannot look at this team and say, this is not a true tier one NBA championship contender. I'm yep. with you, man. Totally agree. Just need to see it play out. It's a good, uh, good conversation to take us into the Christmas break. Of course, we, uh, Hope everyone has been enjoying their holiday season thus far. If you celebrated, you know, Hanukkah, hopefully it was a happy Hanukkah and, and Christmas right around the corner. Have a very Merry Christmas, you, your families, whatever it is that you celebrate. Obviously, we hope it's a, a wonderful time, a restful time. You get to mix in some basketball on Christmas Day. That'll be great for all of us. In and around all the football, NFL is still going to find a way to strip Christmas away from the NBA because uh, football's king. That's just the way the way the ratings work. But maybe not in Boston. Maybe not in Boston. It'll be a big focus on Celtics-Lakers. It's going to be a huge game to close out that trip. Hopefully they get that win against the Clippers first. And uh, we'll be back with you sometime next week before the new year for uh, one more check-in on 2023 before we turn the calendar to 2024. But it's been uh, an awesome time, loads of fun. Greeny, we always enjoy when you hop on with us, obviously, bud. And, uh, you know, happy holidays to you. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right. For Dan Greenberg and Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. This has been Celtics Beat. Thanks for hanging out with us. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Again, just search Celtics Beat. We will pop up in the meantime. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.